Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are warned the following may contain names and voices of deceased persons. We found a um, bowerbird nest and in that bowerbird nest uh, were some knuckles, of human knuckles. Come back, come back, we're telling them, you know, you're probably going to get killed. Come back. They didn't come back. Flood time is when people disappear. His body was already finished in the, in the bag, body bag. This is Wrong Skin, an investigation into a suspicious death and a missing person in the Australian outback. I'm Richard Baker, a journalist with the Melbourne Age in Australia. This has been a broad, broad inquiry. Um, we've done several... That's West Australian Senior Sergeant Quentin Flatman, who was the head of the Cold Case Homicide Squad until recently. He was overseeing the investigation into the 1994 disappearance of young Luma couple Richard Milgan and Julie Buck. I recently went to see him in Perth to get an update on where things are at. Um, We've done several deployments to that area to build that trust and faith with the community that are in that remote location. Um, And as a consequence of that, we've interviewed um, several people, both as witnesses and as suspects. Uh, We've conducted several searches at locations in in the area that were provided to us by people who were assisting in the investigation. But it's also interviewed people in Perth. Um, We've left no stone unturned. And it's positioned us now to provide a report for the coroner, uh, for her information and her interest uh, to what we hope is a... uh, a thorough investigation in regards to trying to find the truth of what happened to these uh, two young Aboriginal people in Luma in 1994. In trying to find an explanation for how Julie ended up dead under a tree close to the Luma community and what the fate of the still-missing Richard might have been, the West Australian Cold Case team and Kimberley Police have put in some serious hard yards. From 2016 to 2018, they made seven trips to Luma, Each trip lasted between a week to two weeks. They took statements in Derby, Broome, Fitzroy Crossing, South Headland, Nookenbar, Marble Bar and Perth. 52 people were interviewed and gave statements. Two of these people are regarded as suspects. And that's where our our role for the coroner is to um, provide all the depositions, the statements that we've taken, the physical evidence that we've collected, as well as uh, interviews that we've undertaken with suspects so the coroner can make that determination. Um, You mentioned the word suspects there. Uh, In the course of the investigation, um, what powers did your team need to use to um, at least, I guess questions to any potential suspect? So W Police operate under the Criminal Investigation Act and within that act it provides us with um, legislative authority to arrest suspects for the purpose of conducting inquiries Um, and in doing so that doesn't remove the right of silence from people that we arrest. They're still provided particular rights whilst they're in our custody and whilst we're undertaking inquiries. Um, and during that course, uh, some people assisted with our inquiries in that regard, provided us some information, but uh, all of those persons that were arrested were released without charge. Right now, an extensive double report on the investigation into Richard and Julie is sitting with Senior Command of West Australian Police. 
It will soon be handed to West Australian coroner Ros Fogliani, with the families of the young couple praying she will decide to hold formal inquests into both. Despite the extensive police effort, not enough evidence has emerged to criminally charge any suspects. This is understandable, because police and prosecutors need evidence to convince a jury beyond reasonable doubt. This is an incredibly high threshold, and with the passage of time, the passing of crucial witnesses, and nobody of Richard Milgan, it was always going to be a hard ask. Part of the investigation that we did for Richard included what we call public awareness. So we've sent posters out at the time when he was originally reported uh, missing, and we did the same thing again locally. Now, we got um, reports from various locations within Western Australia and Northern Territory, which were followed up. Um, they proved to be um, not Richard. Uh, it didn't prove bear fruit that it was, was actually him that was reported as being seen. Having said that, Richard's not been in touch with any of his family members. He had uh, family within the Luma area, which he's not contacted. And obviously some of the uh, checks that we undertake is he's not accessed bank accounts, uh, he's not uh, spoken with any other persons and he's not been identified through any other process, uh, be they hospitals or going through uh, unemployment benefits or the like. Um, so it, it's our view that um, obviously Richard has disappeared and per our investigation has done so in suspicious circumstances. Did the investigation... Um turn up or, or gather material that did point to um, suspicious circumstances surrounding the last sighting of this couple? From the beginning of this investigation in 1994, um, we held concerns, as did the community, as to where these two young people had gone. And despite um, some information that they may have run away or had decided to leave the area or met with foul play, certainly formed part of our investigation and our focus to eradicate all of those possibilities. Um, having said that, uh, finding Julie's remains uh, nine months after her disappearance um, and the, the circumstances of her, where she was located and uh, the fact that she was a young person, she knew the area well, um, we would indicate that she'd uh, met with foul play, perhaps, and would explain why her remains were found where they were. Um, on that basis, we don't rule out that um, Richard may have met with the same circumstances and unfortunately we just have not been able to recover his remains and provide that closure for family and platform off further investigations for what we have as to what actually occurred to him. It's a big search area. Yeah, it's a massive floodplain through there. So if you're getting anywhere out and you've got the Fitzroy River that has the equivalent of a Sydney Harbour running through it every day in the height of the wet season... Um, if you're going to be out in, in any of that floodplain, that location, yeah, it's going to be very difficult, A, to search, like you say, being such a vast area, but also to recover any evidence once it's been through a wet season. Yeah. Oh, no. One of the search warrants exercised by the cold case team was for the old Toyota Land Cruiser troop carrier, once owned by Kimberley Land Council Chairman Anthony Watson. This vehicle had been seen by several witnesses in the vicinity of Richard and Julie around the time they disappeared from Luma, 
with their wrong skin relationship creating tension among some of the senior men in the nearby area. Um, we had some officers inspect the vehicle at the time. Um, DNA is still developing, the technology is still improving, so uh, as far as we're concerned we'll always take what we can uh, and hope that the technology will come through for us. Unfortunately the car was in a location where its roof was removed, it had been open to the elements for 10 plus years. Despite that um, we had the car towed from uh, that location to Derby which was just a little over 100 kilometres and secured in the police yard at Derby where we sent a team of forensic from the Cold Coast Homicide Squad who examined that vehicle with the current practices that we have now. As we do in cold case, those swabs will always remain with us and if in 10 years' time technology improves significantly, thankfully we've now captured that evidence and if it's going to improve our chances of uh, identifying evidence that we need in that regard, be it blood or other DNA, uh, we've got that capability now. So as the families and friends of Richard and Julie wait on a decision from the West Australian coroner on the holding of public inquests, Senior Sergeant Flatman says the couple's case will remain open. So part of our role at the Cold Case Homicide Squad is we don't give up. Um, we've got files there that uh, this is not the oldest one that we hold, 1994. Um, despite the fact that we've found what we have and we're presenting to the coroner, that file will always remain with the Cold Case Homicide Squad. Uh, the benefit for us is that uh, we've captured uh, a lot more evidence and built upon the original inquiry. And as a consequence of that, if circumstances change, if people change into the future, if uh, they feel the confidence to come forward that they may have held fear not to speak to us in the past, we will always take those phone calls, those conversations and visit those people as we need to. Um, certainly uh, my mandate and my team's was always, even if we believed a suspect had passed away, was to still search for that answer for families so that we could provide that closure and this is no different. If uh, people uh, pass away or if uh, people uh, fall out, as I say, with others, we will take phone calls if they wish to give it to us. This is certainly not the end of the investigation. It's a matter for the coroner, but we don't give up in regards to the death of somebody in these circumstances. There's been some big changes in the community in the Kimberley since the story of Richard and Julie has been publicly told. Richard's mum, Annie Milgan, has left her husband, John Watson, who is a former land council boss and the father of Anthony Watson. She's been living happily with Richard's brother, Wayne Milgan, and his family in Luma. Even though Annie is not Wayne's birth mother, he still calls her mum. Such is his affection for her. John and Anthony Watson have left their community of Jalmadanga, and John's brother, Harry, is now the senior man. That's all for now. We'll be back with updates as they come along. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review Wrong Skin on iTunes. And if you know more about this story, email Richard Baker, rbaker at fairfaxmedia.com.au. Wrong Skin is investigated and presented by Richard Baker and produced by Rachel Dexter and Tim Young. 
The executive producer is Greg Muller, Tom McKendrick is head of video and audio, and Dr Siobhan McHugh is consulting producer.